Hello from the ABA Annual Conference in San Francisco, California. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm Paul Stam, representative from North Carolina, speaker pro tem of the House of Representatives. And we're on the road with the Legal Talk Network. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of On the Road. We're here to talk now about another panel that has concluded here at the annual conference. And this one was on Shelby County and the fallout from Shelby County, I guess, is probably the most logical way of describing it. Uh, and we're happy to have Congressman Stam here to discuss what happened in this panel and the discussions that uh, you took part in. We talked about mostly the North Carolina voting reforms in light of Shelby, that is, that uh, they didn't have to be pre-cleared. And uh, naturally, the uh, people from the Brennan Center and the NAACP thought everything was uh, racist. Um, The Fourth Circuit, while saying it was of racial intent, actually said that, now we don't mean by that that any particular member of the House or Senate had any racial intent, but nevertheless, they could discern our collective intent from such things as uh, a particular precinct chair making a racist comment. Takes one vote yourself to elect yourself precinct chair. So, but nevertheless, he was a party leader. Right, well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things though where we're, we're getting to a point where it's hard to say, there's a diffusal of responsibility that could happen, right? Where if you don't go to pick like one specific person, like everybody just says nothing, bad things can be obscured that way. I think that's the Fourth Circuit's argument, ultimately. Um, so where do you go now? Like, is there any, I, I, I gather you're, um, you're leaving office, right? I, this, I this is my last yeah, year. Right. Yes. So, mm-hmm. But where does, is the party going now with, or is there another attempt to work out a version of it that may not get the ire of the Fourth Circuit? Or As far as voter ID, mm-hmm. it's virtually identical to one that was approved in Texas two days ago. Mm-hmm. So I guess the U.S. Supreme Court will have to decide uh, which law we're supposed to apply because, you know, you the, 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 uh, the Department of Justice is taking two different positions in two different circuits. Mm. which is uh, intolerable, really. Right. Now, the, and that's kind of an important thing for folks listening if they don't already know, right. though many of them will, that just because preclearance is gone doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity for the Department of Justice to see things on the back end. Oh, correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And they, they can and they do. And to give you an example, uh, we did a uh, redistricting for Congress recently under when Section 5 was in effect. And a U.S. Supreme Court decision had said we had to do majority-minority districts if we could. That's a 2009 decision. So we did. Mm-hmm. So then the Department of Justice says, but you uh, shouldn't have done that because of a subsequent case. Mm-hmm. You, you thought about race. Of course, we thought about race because the U.S. Supreme Court said we had to think about race. Right. So then we redistricted and didn't think at all about race, just completely ignored it, came up with new districts, which have been approved, by the way. But the liberal group said, you should have thought about race more. Yeah. In other words, you spank your dog if he you know, goes out one door, and you spank him if he goes out the other door, and pretty soon he just, what's he supposed to do? Yeah. I, mean, it's, I guess it's, uh, we, we had some, another 
discussion about voting rights with some uh, voting rights lawyers who were talking about the that's the kind of hairy thing about the redistricting cases is that it's uh you never know i mean what, it, yeah. what the law is because the law changes every two or three years and, and that there's a there's got to be kind of a, a there's a weird middle ground that if you don't take race into account it perpetuates problems that were pre-existing but if you overcompensate with it right. it actually creates new ones and that it's a middle ground and you can't like do one extreme or the other but right. it's this middle that is a hard work uh, well, we was thought what they we were had, saying we thought we had found the middle ground mm-hmm. little did we know the supreme court would change its mind but now we found the next middle ground and it's been approved by the three judge panel but mm-hmm. common cause sued us two days ago so. saying that the that that panel is wrong so, so we were the last state in the nation after the 2000 census to finish our redistricting nine years after the census. And we'll probably be the last state in the nation to finish all redistricting challenges before the 2020 yeah. census. Yeah. I mean, I guess at this point, even though, um, yeah, that suit, I assume, will be moot very quickly because you're going to get a new census and uh, right <laughs> before right. any Supreme Court gets through with that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So... You focused solely on the North Carolina thing in this panel, or were there other panelists who discussed no, no, other things? No, they all talked about North Carolina. Oh, right, it was no, yeah. the primary focus. Okay. One of the most disappointing uh, parts of the ruling is our reform of early voting. Now, mm-hmm. most states either have no early voting at all or have fewer days than North Carolina. Right. But we shortened the period from 17 to 10 days, but expanded the times of those 10 days so that working people could get there and that there would be more places. So in other words, counties, boards of election had to have just as many hours of early voting unless the Republicans and Democrats all agreed that in a particular case it didn't have to be because of particular circumstances. Well, under this Fourth Circuit ruling, we're going to have to go back to longer days and shorter hours, and that will be less convenient for voters, including African-American voters. Yeah, the opening things up more days, I would assume, also cost more than uh, keeping right. them open longer on fewer days. Right, but that's right. that's not the main consideration, yeah. well, but, right. but it's true. Yeah. And their budgets are already set. They're going to have to cut back uh, hours now if they're going to have that many days because otherwise it's paid for by the counties. Right. And their budgets are already set. They cannot raise taxes now because the deadline for that has passed, so they can't spend more money at it, so they're going to have to cut hours. Yeah. Very disappointing. Yeah. That definitely sounds like a issue that you took into account. Uh, it's certainly different than the the other issue. This is one where you took into oh, account yes. keeping the same amount of time right. open, just different way of allocating it. Right, right. Mm. Well, let's just talk now getting outside of that. So you're leaving office after a Six, long 16 career. years. Yeah. Right, right. So what's next? What are you doing? Well, I practice law Mm -hmm. full-time, and I just didn't need two full-time jobs because I've been in leadership for, uh, let's see, two, four, four, ten years, Mm -hmm. and it just requires a lot of time. Yeah. And I have eight grandchildren. Well, that's a full-time job, too. And that's uh, (laughs) important. So I decided that uh, I had done my part to try to make the state better. So, yeah, so now you've got... I practice mostly real estate. Oh, okay. But also real estate litigation related to that. Right. So 
Now it's down to just the two jobs of two jobs. grandparent and the uh, and right. uh, lawyer. So when you look back on your career, like what what strikes you about? Because some listeners and lawyers, I, lawyers go into politics. I don't think this is a crazy thing for us all to be saying. Uh, so how do you get into? What prompted you to get in? And what did you learn kind of from the process that you could relate to sure. any future lawyer? Uh, one, one of the sad things in North Carolina is how few lawyers are in the state house and Senate. Mm-hmm. It's gone way down from where it was 50, 60 years ago. And mainly it's because the schedule is so difficult to maintain for both your practice and uh, the legislature. It's just too unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that's uh, changed. But uh, the few lawyers that are there, uh, naturally the other members look to us. Well, we have professional staff, including lots of lawyers as well, so they all have lawyers. But as far as, you know, the third of the bills that uh, we'll call lawyer-type bills, uh, they look to us to prepare them and debate them, and usually we'll pass what the lawyers recommend if the lawyers are together on it. Interesting. So being a lawyer politician, you almost have a, another job because of the, the right. role that you have and the expertise. Right. Interesting. But most bar association, North Carolina Bar Association initiatives uh, are passed. I'd say 90% of them become law because we have input at the front end and the back end. And they try to do good government things. They don't try to get into controversial. Right issues unless they're directly related to the courts. Interesting. So with that said, thank you so much for being here today and thank sharing you, what happened thank on you, the panel. All my papers are on my website, paulstam.info. Ah, excellent. paulstam.info. And that's, I'm glad, glad that's a .info, so it's not going to go away uh, after you retire. I oh, assume. no. Yep. All right, <laughs> excellent. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe for future episodes, and we will talk to you soon about another panel here at On the Road with the Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Bye.